0: back to a podcast for members we've been on a summer hiatus while we welcomed our new baby girl into the world and even though our favorite fantasy series game of thrones has come to an end there is still a lot to talk about i'm one of your hosts liz prue
1: and i'm your second host eric prue for our first podcast back we have an exclusive interview with the emmy winning sound designer of the series paula fairfield Paula is the talent behind those epic dragon and white walker sounds, the clash of every sword in all those epic battles, and Prince Oberyn's eyes gushing out of their sockets from the mountain's thumbs.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We didn't need to add that last
1: one. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry.
0: Paula shares how the sound behind the series came to life over the seasons, as well as what's next after Game of Thrones, like the new Harley Quinn film, Birds of Prey.
1: Enjoy our exclusive interview and hit subscribe to get alerted for our next podcast episode, where we start to dive into George R. R. Martin's *Fire and Blood*, the 300-year history of the Targaryens' rule of Westeros,
0: which is rumored to be the next series.
1: I heard the pilot's been ordered.
0: Pilot's been ordered. Yes,
1: bring it on!
0: All right, guys, welcome back and enjoy. Can you tell us just a little bit, our listeners, about your role as a sound designer and what that entails?
2: Um, yeah, so on the show, my job was sort of all the fantastical elements, um, you know, the kind of you know, the dragons, white walkers, um, direwolves, working, you know, dreams, whatever, all that stuff. that was basically kind of in my realm. Um, all the fun stuff.
0: Right? I'm going to say, oh, you got all the good stuff.
2: <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. Well, yes. Is it God? Get to the flash forward to this year. Dear God. <laughs> <laughs>
1: all of it all at once. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it came together pretty fast, didn't it?
2: Yeah. Insane. Insane.
0: So when you're putting the sounds together for, um, not just the episode, but I would assume the series that maybe you reuse some sounds. So there's some consistency, um, across the different episodes. Where do you, how do you draw inspiration? Because in looking at your social media, it's super cool. It looks like you actually, like you're not just in a studio, like you're out there getting real sounds.
2: Yeah, no, I do. I mean, it's sort of one of these things I used to do, actually, even a lot more recording. I'm trying to make more time. The schedules are so bad these days and have been for years. It makes it really hard to get time to record. But I do when I have breaks and stuff because I've I've never learned how to properly vacation. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I set some sort of project for myself and it usually involves some sort of Recordings. So, yeah, I mean, the great thing about Thrones, and I think there are more shows starting to look at this model, is that, but Thrones was like the first to do this, which was that we would see the entire um, season all at once. Very rough, but, you know, you get a sense of the full arc of everything. Everything that's going to happen for the season, and you know, there's no visual effects. There's you know, (laughs) guys walking around on stilts, and you know, (laughs) guys with with sticks with you know tennis balls on the end of them for the dragons, or you know, when they were smaller and stuff. I mean, it's funny what you see, but um, the uh, you know, you get the basic arcs of the story and get the sense of what they're doing, and so then one can plan. Um, I usually kind of focus in on the biggest scenes first and drop the breadcrumbs, you know, because it's gotta, like, wherever it all has to end up and go. Um, and then also thinking about what will come after, sadly, I don't have to think about that anymore, but, um, (laughs) like, I remember, I remember one of the best that one of the, I was most grateful that, um, at the end of seven, when Viserion shows up with the blue fire and all that, um, I really had learned by that point to think ahead. Thank God. <laughs> because I, I thought about what, you know, the possibilities of what could happen this year. And I, in my wildest dreams, it would have been the battle between Viserion and, and one, Dragon,
0: <laughs> yeah, <That's two.
2: laughs> yeah,
1: so sad. Just
2: one, but uh, but anyway. So I had thought about that as a real possibility and started thinking. Had so the the ice dragon stuff. I I had made a lot more stuff because the other thing it was just like and just kind of left some open-ended possibilities for things that could possibly go down. Um, so that was really good. But yeah, it's, it's one of these things when, I mean, but the, and, and the lecture, I suppose, at that point was we knew there were other seasons coming, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. when you know that too, although now I've learned and one of the questions I ask when I'm doing a series or designing for a brand new series is, you know, what are your plans for such and such for next, for next year? You know, where are you thinking of going? What can we think of now to plant in the sound to be able to open it up? Because the most satisfying sound design, well, you know, the, the fun sound design is when you can try something very unique and you start to embrace it as as real or as believable. Um, mm-hmm. but it really nails home when you try something weird and that weird pays off somewhere. And then you realize why, do, do you understand what I'm saying? So it's kind of mm-hmm. like, oh yeah. yeah. So, and uh, as opposed to trying something weird for the sake of being weird, and it always just kind of walks that line of, you know, like some people might buy it, some people not, but if you can nail it down to something that's grounded in, the reality of that creature or that thing at some point, um, then everything that happened before that, you know, I don't know if that makes sense, but it's like that kind of sense of the unfolding of things, you know, as life does and all that, and and placing things that you can expound upon. And that's what kind of gives a sense of cohesion to the world. I mean, you're world building, right? So as everybody is, I mean, all the people who are working on the show, beautiful costumes, the beautiful, you know, locations and all the visual effects stuff. And I mean, everybody, you know, is thinking that way, I think, in some regards. Um, And I think for visual effects and myself, what are the most unique and still, uh, you know, the most unique thing that I've ever seen is sound design and visual effects. Um, But, you know, just talking about sound design, um, sound design that has to grow up over years. Um, and evolve but you still have to recognize it as what it once, once was so like the dragons going from toddlers to 747s to try to get a <laughs> of sense yeah. of so cool they used to be and if you play you know season three against season uh eight you can find moments where you know that that stroke on you know, it's like there mm-hmm. there is something in the in Drogon's voice that is there. Drogon's the one we you know, we never really got to know much about the other ones, but Drogon we did in season three in particular in the plaza scene and you hear all his range there and I kept trying to keep elements of that going and would pop up in different times. Um so that you always understood it to be him as you do with your dog or as you do with, you know, people around you who you see, you know, from toddlers grow up to be adults and stuff. People have mannerisms or they have something, you know, and anyway, that was sort of my approach with it.
1: Yeah. Paul, That's amazing. I think one, one thing I'm really curious about, you know, obviously everyone, uh, there's so many different sounds that are created from these types of creatures. They sound different. I I mean, I think of like Jurassic park and the way the dinosaurs sounded, what was your inspiration to synthesize this sound for dragons as part of this show? You know, was it the mythology that drove it? What kind of creatures did you stem your inspiration from and how did you synthesize the sounds for the dragons?
2: Well, I think the the sounds themselves are all made from real. I mean, there's not one synthetic sound anywhere. It's all made from real animal sounds. And it was about, I had done a bunch of different kinds of creature stuff over the years. I've tried different things. I've tried using human elements. Um, I did uh, the film Predators a few bunch of years ago. And had used, you know, human elements. And I had done that for creatures before, but you know, I thought a lot about emotion, expressions, expressions of emotion. And I think um, the thing about creatures is that they're uncensored emotionally, unlike mm-hmm. us. So if you had, like, I, I would get frustrated sometimes having an actor come in to do an animalistic or creature like thing because I could hear them acting. Um, And I've had this thing um, I've done some stuff where I've done, you know, had to get somebody to scream and there's only certain people that will absolutely cut loose and not hold anything back,
1: Mm
2: -hmm. you know, singers and stuff. I always, you know, and I watch singing shows and people who really open their open themselves up completely to their soul. It's like you're hearing their soul. Mm -hmm. I'm amazed by that. I can't do that. I have a studio out in the middle of the desert. I will never go in and completely unleash. I, You know, something holds me back. And I thought about it a lot. And I started thinking about it with animal sounds. And this, I didn't realize how, I didn't realize how big this would get in terms of the dragons. But what I knew was that the experience Fresh, you don't want it at least of a thing with animals, uh, that if you try to put or mimic sounds and stuff and put them in their mouth, you'd like be Scooby Doing it. You know what I mean? You don't wanna I didn't wanna Scooby Doo the dragons. I wanted to find authenticity. And I had you know, I have dogs, so I've had animals, you know, most of my life I'm, Um, I've always had multiple dogs, either two or three dogs and, you know, you see how they interact, what sounds. And I remember having a discussion with Greg Spence, one of the one of the producers. And we were talking about the fact that the cool sounds like when you go to a zoo are the ones that animals make that you don't expect Mm -hmm. and they and in those moments they're so pure and they're such pure expressions of emotion I started thinking a lot about that and that and so started you know using that and listening to recordings of animals and finding little tiny moments to articulate that also went with the visuals that I was working against as well um to try to capture sort of or create a performance in a certain sense um, from that. And that's what it ended up being. I mean, it's all pure animal sounds um, manipulated, of course, and blended and only this part and only that part, whatever. But it all comes together to create this sort of, you know, creature that has a like, hopefully has like a visceral and emotional effect, you know, as it helps to tell the story kind of things.
0: So. That's why it sounds so good. <laughs> um, yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: I'd love to uh, hear how the process works. You mentioned with uh, the visual effects team and there's a really cool video um, released after on the HBO YouTube channel after hard home aired. And it mm-hmm. talked about how, um, the behind the scenes team were, they weren't limited by, um, special effects, but based on how the set was and the story they wanted to tell, they decided to kind of, um, lean on some horror films inspiration in terms of, you know, you're, you're looking through the door and you see them come in, you, you like just softly hear them coming. And then all of a sudden it's like that awesome sound that you have where they're like, bah! you know, and like splattering yeah. on the door. So what yeah. what are the what's the pre meeting like when you're working with them and you know the director's telling you, okay, this is what we're gonna do and, you know, kind of shape that vision, you know, how, how well, do you we how don't, do
2: it it doesn't quite work that way with these shows. I think visual effects have that conversation with the director because the kind of show this is and how integral they are and the way they shoot that stuff. Mm-hmm. but in TV, by the time they get to us, the director is no longer involved generally. So mm-hmm. in fact, almost always. So it's rare that a director has interaction with us. Um, but by the time, the way it's constructed, and because Game of Thrones was so heavily visual effect, by the time it got to me and I watched it, I knew what they were doing doing, even if it was rough. I could tell, and it was sort of um yeah, I mean I could you know, I mean I think you could say the same for the long night. I mean if that's not a horror show, I don't know what is. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah, and it's it it is. It totally is that. It's about making it claustrophobic, bro, building suspense, moments of silence, you know, the library scene with uh all right. So you know, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, stuff like that. It's, and then, you know, and then you get into, oh, my God, they're coming through the walls. And, you know, so it, it was like a, an hour and a half horror story, horror show, you know, and um, definitely had those qualities. It's nightmarish. You know, that's what kind of the feel was. So, um, you know, they're deaf. I mean, they're literally the undead. So it's like, you know, I mean, um, yeah. It it I just think that it, by the time we got to hard home and stuff, there started to be a sort of a general sense of the world. I think we all understood the world we were building and could really bounce off images there were not nearly the amount of discussion you might think, because unlike a movie, this is happening over time. And these, all of us,
1: mm.
2: same visual effects have been on, some of them since the beginning, some of them came on in season two, we came on in season three. Uh, so by that point we have, you know, such good stride and, you know, we kind of were all humming the same tune by then and could really kind of understand and, you know, with bouncing off each other's work. I mean, that's what the amazing thing about this show is everybody is so good mm-hmm. that, you know, you could really bounce off, you know, we saw the gorgeous, sets and the, you know, the way it was all, everything was put together and the visual effects and everything. So by the time it gets to us, we're looking at this amazing stuff and how can you not be inspired by it?
0: Totally. And about how long does it take to um, complete a single episode on your end?
2: Oh, I can't really answer that. I mean, it depends on the episode.
0: Um, I guess for like a hard home or long night.
2: Oh, Well, those are extraordinary. I mean, there's never been an episode like The Long Night, you know, not even a movie like that. Right. So it's really, you can't compare. What I I can say is that if you compare The Long Night to a movie, whereas like for sound, for instance, they would have had months and months and months and months Mm -hmm. (laughs) to do the sound. We did not have that, you know. I think we had, um, you know, maybe three months to work on it. But we also were spinning plates on other episodes. So they're all going on at the same time. And you're Mm -hmm. jumping back and forth. When these visual effects are ready here, for me, anyway. These visual effects are ready. I jump over here. I go over here, you know. So it, it, and that was the thing. It was like a team effort. Everybody just kind of, we had, it was so ambitious and such a small, really, I mean, you look at how many hours of extraordinary film, let alone TV work, and it's almost unthinkable that we got it done when we, in the amount of time we had, you know, so, um, so it took a lot of coordination from everybody and everybody knew what to do by this point. We had worked together for such a long period of time. It's great.
0: It's remarkable. Um, mm-hmm you've also worked on another favorite film that we saw this year, Alita. Um, we, that was, I think we went and we didn't really know what we were watching. We were just like, Oh, let's try and go see a movie. (laughs) And it was so cool because everyone in the theater was the same. They were like, yeah, we don't know what this is, but it looks really cool. And because we had zero expectations, it made the movie that much better. Mm -hmm. Like we totally Uh loved it. And, um, the sound in that is just like the, I forget what her name was, but like the kind of like spider robot she was fighting. Like I was like, and all the fight scene sounds, it was just, I mean, it was just like a punch in the face. It was awesome. What was it like to, um, because that's unlike Thrones where you haven't, you know, been working in that world for years and it's not so much of, um, you know, like a weld oil machine, I guess. What's it like to jump in on a feature film like that and come up with something completely new?
2: Well, that's the thing. I mean, you kind of, you know, it's a m- much different experience. And I think I'm, I'm really spoiled on something like Thrones that we were together for such a long time. Not that I love all the people who are on this. It's just that what tends to happen is there's, My dog's going to start barking. What (laughs) tends to happen is there's, um, uh, you know, you're kind of racing to get through stuff to kind of get stuff laid out, working to really rough images, especially on something like that, which is so heavily CGI. And then you're you know constantly conforming because the timings are all changing As so the stuff is coming in you're, you know we were working first two I mean some of them were like literally you know storyboards that were just cut together and stuff like that you know to try to start to develop the sounds and whatnot and with the visual effects coming in so late on something like that it's just this constant rehashing and it's kind of hard I find it harder to kind of get the same sort of flow in it. I mean, it's just such a different beast. It really is. And because by the time you get the really great images, um, you have already done a lot of work, which had you had those at the beginning, you might not have gone that way, but now you do. So now you just have to kind of (laughs) re-hashing stuff you were guessing about, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, it was a little less satisfying and, was in sort of stops and starts kind of so and that these big movies that's the way they go they do a lot of testing you know it is not quite the same I've come to really enjoy and appreciate these uh, streaming experiences these streaming series um, especially the ones that are these broad sweeping serial dramas because Even though the schedules are accelerated, you have to cover a lot more with a lot less time, you have Mm -hmm. longer to think about the same thing. And if you think about it as a 10 hour feature, and you know, my job is sound design, so I just can kind of like design this arc over this period of time, it feels somehow more congruous I don't know and it's forced to be that way because they only have so much time I and mean, you're on these big movies you're stopping starting you might go on to something else and come back to it it's just really strange it's a it's an odd it's an odd thing um, yeah I, th-
1: I think of it as like the movements of a symphony right if you're if you've got these long-standing television shows that span multiple hours you know you can kind of pick up and and leave off various sounds that that leave an impact um
2: yeah
1: so one one question i have is is related to sound design generally you know obviously you look at a movie like alito or thrones there's a ton of sounds that that really truly you're creating whether it's through the mix of organic and non-organic i think i look at alita you know there's all these robotic sounds that are new what are some of the sounds that you're designing as part of film or tv that that maybe aren't as obvious to people that that you found interesting as you've developed in your career?
2: I don't know. I mean, my attraction to work over the last few years has been, uh, well, has always been, and I made this shift, I guess, especially since I started working on Thrones um, to just really right now, although I'm moving again, so who knows what I'll, what I'll be doing in a couple of years, but I'm sort of thinking, you know, I've been thinking just about specifically Designing sound um, and world building and things like that. I tend to the more fantasy stuff or high concept horror or whatever is what I've been doing a lot of. So I don't know that I would be the queen of subtlety these days. <laughs> <laughs> That doesn't seem
0: as fun, you know, as the projects Uh, that you do. I
2: I mean, what I will tell you, one thing that I really enjoyed that I did last year, which was such a shift, was I did four episodes of Jack Ryan. And they're set in the Middle East. And I really enjoyed tricking out all the details of the environments mm-hmm. and stuff and the busyness and all the little tiny things so that as you pass by stuff, you heard this, you heard this, you heard this, and just all the kind of textures and different sorts of sounds. And that was really fun. I do enjoy that. And that is, you, I mean, when it's done right, you don't even notice it. What you're left is, is the feeling that you're sort of standing in the middle of it, which is sort of the point. But, um, so I do enjoy that and I like doing backgrounds and stuff where you're sort of creating spaces and whatnot, um, with, uh, atmospheres and different things like that. Um, but yeah, a lot of my work tends to go to stuff that's obviously sound designed.
1: Yeah. Very cool.
0: Well, I, Thank you so much for joining. That was such an interesting conversation. We love learning all the behind the scenes of not just Game of Thrones, but just how to create epic pieces of television or film. And I think it's safe to say you've created probably the most epic world (laughs) world ever created. Um, And it's just cool to, to see all the different sides of it. You don't hear a lot about how the sound is actually created and it's like so important to um make these worlds believable and come to life and um again congrats on your emmy um both your emmys but this most recent emmy very well deserved thanks
2: Thanks. yeah it was a beautiful way to wrap up the series absolutely
1: Don't forget to subscribe to a podcast for members on iTunes and visit purefandom.com for more.